Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and with me is my co-host, Caleb Jenks, uh, reporting live from East Texas. Uh, Caleb, let's start out with announcements. Did you get this video podcast that we're doing up on any podcast platforms like Apple or Google or Spotify or any of those? I only ask yeah. because you've been promising to do so for the last six months every week. And I just wanted you to catch the audience up on that. How's that going? Yeah, absolutely not. So, uh, <laughs> okay. We, we did make progress toward it, but uh, mm-hmm. we got about half the episodes uploaded, but we got to get the thing live. Okay. Uh, so stay tuned for that one, folks. It's coming. Yeah. Christmas uh, present, hopefully. <laughs> there you go. Send all your hate mail to, uh, Caleb at my word is worthless.com. So that's Caleb Jenks at my word means nothing.com. So uh, let's see tomorrow or not tomorrow, but next week we're going to be talking about um, women pastors. So that's going to be a spicy one. So we're going to get into the Bible and see what it says about women and church leadership, women being pastors and, um, don't, you don't want to miss, you don't want to miss out on that one. That's going to be another exciting one. Now, tonight we are talking about, uh, the Holy Spirit. So <clears throat> I asked Caleb if he had any place he wanted to, to jump in and kind of start out. Um, this is the first time Caleb and I have been back together for, uh, the last two weeks. Um, uh, I was camping and Caleb was here by himself. Um, I know not many of you missed that because no one tuned in and I understand why. And then uh, the week before that, I was by myself and we just had a great time. I mean, so many people were viewing and commenting and the messages you sent me were so kind and encouraging and uplifting. Uh, So this is the first time Caleb and I have have, uh, been doing this uh, for a couple of weeks. So I'm not sure how the the dynamic is going to go. Um, so, you know, what's funny, Caleb, is that we were, the kids and I were reading, uh, the book of Acts. We just started the book of Acts this morning in our morning Bible study. And the book of Acts certainly has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit and the one big event. Do you know what day that happened on Caleb? You know what day it was? Uh, Pentecost. Pentecost. Very good. Oh yeah, no, no, no. That's it. You you passed. But there you was a, there was it was a it was a Jew, it was a Jewish holiday as well, right? Well, and that's the funny thing. So we didn't get very far into the Book of Acts without turning back to Leviticus chapter twenty-three. And if you want to know about the seven uh, feast days for the Jews, you got to go to Leviticus uh, chapter twenty-three. And one of the neat things <clears throat> that I, I found in the Book of Acts was that. Uh, Now, for those of you that don't know, Luke, the guy that wrote the gospel of Luke is the same. He's the author for the book of Acts. So Luke wrote it. Now, what Luke started off telling us in the book of Acts in verse three, he says, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So what's neat is that we know Jesus rose from the dead 
on uh, Sunday, the Feast of First Fruits. Okay, and that's the, the the day after the first Sabbath after the Passover. That's how you count to the first Feast of First Fruits. It's all laid out in Leviticus chapter twenty-three. But what was neat is that uh, you start counting on um, that day to the day of Pentecost. So you start counting on that Sunday and you count seven Sabbaths. So from Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is seven days. You do that seven times. And then the day after that is the Feast of Shavuot or uh, the Feast of um, uh uh, pa uh, Pentecost, also known as the Feast of Weeks. And as a matter of fact, I'm afraid I just said the wrong Hebrew word there. So let me just double check that. There's so many words. You have the English, the Greek, and the, no, that's it, Shavuot, which is Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. So in the, in the Bible, when you read about it, it just says 50 days. And that's what, <laughs> that's what it's called in Leviticus chapter 23, which we, we know they later called the Feast of Weeks because it's seven weeks that you start counting from the Feast of First Fruits. If this is not boring you yet, uh, I've got some more dry stuff. Okay. So, <clears throat> so anyway, I say all that to say this. So we know that 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits was the Feast of Pentecost. And Luke is telling us that it's been 40 days since Jesus rose from the dead. So that means that the Feast of, Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, uh, is right around the corner. And what was neat, and tell me if you had ever heard this before. Uh, we, we read in, in Acts chapter one, verse five, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy ghost. Not many days hence. I think Luke knew that it was going to be on Pentecost that the Holy spirit was going to come and be poured out because he says it's been 40 days. We know that it's just around the corner. And then he talks about how, uh, it is the Holy spirit that is going to come and, you know, make a big showing on Pentecost. So it seems like Jesus told the disciples, you know, he certainly said that um, it is expedient for me to go because unless I leave, the comforter cannot come. You know, he talks about that in the gospels, but it seemed to me like Jesus told them that on Pentecost, you know, this is when it's going to happen. Yeah, that's interesting. I was, I just read the, uh, I read the gospel of John recently and I was mm -hmm. thinking how it kind of stands out that, and of course, this topic is something that I've, I've talked to a few friends about recently and knowing that it's coming up on the podcast and just thinking about this whole, this whole idea of the, this, the spiritual side of, of our walk with God. There's, there's kind of a side of salvation and our relationship with God that's very easily explainable and it's mechanical, but there's promise, there's promise of this unknown unseen uh, thing that we that we believe in here as far as the holy spirit and and how you know how how do you get the magic so to speak of of knowing that you have that you, that you have the holy spirit and is there is there hoops you have to jump through or is there you know i i i've um, heard people talk about well you know you, you have to you know somebody has to lay hands on you and pray over you or or, or whatever and i'm not saying that maybe that it can't work that way for some people but I was reading through John and I thought it was really interesting in uh, John, I should look it up here. Well, I, I'm not gonna look it up. I'm just going to paraphrase. So in John uh, chapter 20, 
mm-hmm. Jesus, it, the, the disciples were hiding out in a room and Jesus appears to them. And he's, he, this was after the, after he was raised from the dead and he said, peace be to you. And, and sometimes through this conversation, he, he was telling them that he was going to send the comforter. Um, but it was interesting. Actually, I should just look it up. He said, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, well, if there, if there was some recipe, let, let's get Jesus to breathe on us and say, receive the Holy spirit. It seems like that would, that would do the magic, right? Sure. <laughs> but it didn't, like you said, it was, it was 40 days after he mm-hmm. had gone. So here we have uh, John chapter 20. And let's go to, I think it's verse, where is it here? About halfway through the chapter. Let's go to verse 19. And the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had, and when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them again, peace be unto you as my father has sent me. Even so I send even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive ye the Holy ghost. Whose whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. And then it goes on to the, the uh, doubting Thomas and that whole story. And I've read over this quite a few times and this just popped out of me the other day. I was like, wait, if this, if this was, if this was the magic recipe, when Jesus mm-hmm. breathes on somebody and says, receive the Holy Ghost, you would think that that's when it would happen. But it wasn't. It was still a time of, of fasting and praying and waiting until until the time that they were actually baptized in the, in the Holy Ghost. And I would say, I don't what I'm not sure what your thought is on on the, the status of this of the disciples at this point. Were they saved at this point? Were they converted at this point? Mm-hmm. What, whatever the term that you use for it, they, they certainly believed in Jesus but they hadn't had this spiritual experience that they had on the day of Pentecost later on. Um, most of them had been baptized. And so anyway, it's kind of an interesting, interesting thing. How ob- obviously it, through acts, as you read it, there was, there was two distinct events that happened for a lot of people. They were, they were baptized. Mm-hmm. They believed. Um, I would say that would be the point of their conversion, but yet then later on at some point, then they had another experience where they were filled with the spirit or vice versa. You know, some of them were filled with the spirit first and then, yeah, well, and you know, Caleb, this is uh, th- this is always a fun topic because it's so controversial. I mean, right. it is so controversial. And I think a lot of uh, churches either base so much of their church upon the Holy Spirit or they don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit at all. And it seems like, you know, different churches treat the Holy Spirit differently as far as how much time on stage he gets. So, right. You know, you and I have talked about it. Well, okay, so let's start with this. Let's lay some groundwork. In the Old Testament, tell me how you believe the Holy Spirit worked. And because can we agree that it is clearly different from the New Testament? Right. So uh, what I see is in the, in the Old Testament, there was there was times that the, the Holy Spirit came upon somebody. They were filled with uh-huh. the Spirit for a period of time mm-hmm. for prophecy or, or discernment or whatever it would have been, similar to some of the, the um, supernatural things that we can receive from the, from the Holy Spirit now, um, mm-hmm. even healing or that type of a thing. But it seemed like it was there and then it was gone. Like, you know, it came upon them. Whereas we have a promise of receiving the Holy Spirit 
at the time of conversion, when it says be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit, it seems that mm -hmm. that is kind of a promise of, of receiving the Holy Spirit, that it is something that as a believer in Christ, that that remains with us. But then I also see a distinction from that to the idea of being immersed in the Holy Spirit, similar to being baptized by water, where you're immersed and it's overflowing out of you mm -hmm. in the event of you know, a supernatural where, where you're so full of the spirit that maybe you are prophesying or healing somebody or uh, speaking in tongues, you know, whatever the, whatever the supernatural event that's occurring would be that can't be explained. Just, you know, it's a miracle, you know? Yeah. So, okay. With the old Testament, um, I think you hit the nail right on the head, which is uh, the Holy spirit would come upon folks and then would leave folks and would stay for an, undetermined amount of time. And that is one of the reasons that we see that Paul especially was so surprised at what he saw later on in the New Testament, because all these people were filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit was acting and working through them, and it didn't seem to ever go anywhere. So this was something new. And when you read through the Old Testament, I believe that idea is common. You know, I, I don't believe the Old Testament gives you the idea that the Holy Spirit would come upon someone and stay with them forever. Whereas in the New Testament, we actually receive that promise that the Holy Spirit will never leave us. I mean, we are going to uh, get the Holy Spirit and he, the comforter, it's called. Um, it's called the Holy Spirit. And we can, uh, it's called the Holy Ghost. And we can talk about all this, the spirit of truth. And the Holy Spirit is going to be with us. It's going to live inside of us. And it has a very active role in the life of the Christian. So in the Old Testament, you would see the Spirit of God come upon, as Caleb said, prophets for a time. Uh, you saw it come upon Saul uh, and leave Saul. You saw it come upon David. And even then, you found out that David, um, one of the, so one of the neat analogies or idioms used for the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is oil. Whenever you see oil, okay, you think the Holy Spirit, okay, when, whenever we're going through the Old Testament. And one of the neat things about King David is that he was anointed several times throughout the Old Testament, throughout his life and throughout his ministry. And he even talks about how he needs to be anointed with fresh oil. So it was something where he had the spirit within him, but he he knew that he needed more of it. He needed um, uh, he needed to be anointed again, and he was anointed several times. And that's it. You know, that is an example and a picture of the New Testament Christian's life in which we get saved. The Holy Spirit comes in us, lives inside of us, dwells, you know, in us. And then we have what Caleb is talking about, which is a filling of the Holy Spirit. You see, when I am close to God, when I am far from God, when I sin, when I read my Bible, the Holy Spirit is inside me. That doesn't change. But what we find is that there are times when the Holy Spirit will do supernatural things through a Christian. And that is what we really want to strive for. We want to be close to God. We want to pray that the Holy Spirit will use us to do great things for God. And we can get into that in a little bit. But one of the things you find out when you read the Bible is that the Holy Spirit uses you as he will, not as you will. 
Okay, so the Holy Spirit, God has a purpose, God has a plan, and the Holy Spirit is in you and is in your life. And what you find is that there are times when you will be filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will kind of be pouring out of you. The problem that I find is that there, there is a little ambiguity in the Bible, and it does make it hard to kind of nail down the parameters and the rules. So let me just go over one basic part about the, the Holy Spirit. Okay, so in John, you're going to look in John chapter 14 and 15 and 16, if you want to read a, a bit about the Holy Spirit. So um, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter, capital C, that he may abide with you forever. Okay. So that's the promise that Jesus gives. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and go like in the old Testament. Once you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes, he is inside of you. He lives in you and he's there forever. And it, then it distinguishes from the world in the next verse, in verse 17, even the spirit of truth, capital S, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So, you know, that's a very strong distinction that the world does not get the Holy Spirit. You do. And, you know, this kind of goes back to uh, uh, a doctrine of the makeup of man, that man is made of body, soul and spirit. And what you find is that your spirit is dead. It's talk, that's talked about in the New Testament. And when you get saved, it talks about your spirit coming alive. Okay, so your spirit quickeneth, as the King James says. So your spirit is now alive. The Holy Spirit is in you and works through you because your spirit is alive. So the world can't have the Holy Spirit. You can. And when you get him, he's with you forever. Any problems with any of that so far, Caleb? No. I can hear you now. Is my, is my mic on now? Okay. Yeah, your mic's right, good. Sorry about that. I muted it for a second so you wouldn't hear me drinking. Um, sure, sure. No, I think I think that's good. I think we may have both um, already made the mistake on this episode of re referring to the Holy Spirit as it rather than he. And obviously... He. Um, Obviously, we uh, both Patrick and I would would not um, would not separate the Holy Spirit from God, realizing that mm -hmm. that God is Spirit. God is um, when when we receive the Holy Spirit, this is not something that's separate somehow from from the same God that we know. And I think that this is something that's um, a a bit of a problem for for people that would would really um, shy away from any kind of supernatural. Uh, aspect of the christian life because oh yeah we we believe in god we like jesus he's you know he's the nice guy that that uh, makes that has gives us the, the free ride to, to heaven and um but the holy spirit that's i don't know i i just i'm not really that much of a mushy gushy kind of guy i don't need to get into the emotional side the spiritual side of this i'm i'd rather be a little bit more dry logical level-headed and so let's just kind of steer clear of that topic. And I, and I mm -hmm. find that to be the case, especially um, among, among Christians my age, where, where this, just, this topic doesn't get discussed. And 
I, I always find it a little bit of an awkward topic to talk about just because God, God is so unique from the rest of the way that, that we operate that the only way that we can really even discuss a topic like this is in natural terms. But we're talking about a supernatural, a supernatural mm-hmm. thing that goes on in our lives. So um, I would, I, w- I would agree with everything that you said. Um, of course, there is, there is al- always a chance that I could be wrong on something here, but I think that, I think that the idea that, that, um, that you put up, that you put out there is something that a lot of people miss. And that is the distinction between having the spirit to guide us in truth and to, and to lead, you know, lead us into, and John, well, I think you started to read some of it. John chapter 16. Oh, I was says, just going to get there. I was just going to get there. Go ahead. Steal my but now, But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin, because they believe not in me of righteousness, because I go to my father and ye see me no more of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Um, and then okay. he says, I wait, 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 don't go on to okay. verse 12 yet. Yeah, yeah, okay. no, that's a great stopping point because I, I wanted to jump in there. But go ahead. Tell us what you think about those verses. So, yeah, what you what you mentioned there is if, if you have a desire, it's not natural for mm-hmm. people to have a desire to get on Facebook and watch the Bible thumper or to open up their Bible sure. and read the Bible. There has to be God has to be doing something in you ahead of you wanting truth in your life. That is the spirit that's drawing us and leading us into truth and righteousness that even, even makes us want to know right and wrong or seek out the seek out um, God's word. And sometimes as Christians, we take this for granted and we don't even realize this is kind of the invisible work of the spirit in our life, drawing us to him, leading us and guiding us, giving us this comfort. And when you look at the, at the men in the days of Noah, where God looks around at the earth and there's nothing but wickedness all around Noah. And there's one guy out there and everybody else is just, you know, that's, that's our natural, that's our natural direction that we go without the Holy spirit leading us and guiding us. So I think it is, it's important to understand the distinction between that, between the promise of the spirit at the point of conversion, where we have this promise that be baptized and you will receive the Holy spirit. And then also realizing that there is more than just the comforter. There is more than just, leading us and guiding us into truth, but there is the supernatural side of it. And there can be, um, I grew up in the, in the coming from the Pentecostal background where yes, you, you, man. <laughs> you, um, you seek and you pray to get the Holy ghost. And then once you got it, you got it as, you know, being baptized in the Holy spirit. And then you speak in tongues for the rest of your life, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I always found this to be a little bit problematic because I knew people that go to church, speak in tongues on Sunday, and then live like the devil during the rest of the week and go back to church and speak in tongues on Sunday. And it's like, um, it seems like there is the possibility that as Christians, that we can live outside of the spiritual realm. We can certainly take life into our own hands. We can certainly mm-hmm. live in sin. We can certainly um, completely not have God's blessing on our lives, in our lives, like we should have if we had, if we were really filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this is something that I, I don't know if I completely have my mind wrapped around the whole thing, but if, if, if I were, if I were to, if I were to try to put it into a theory and explain it in human terms, I would explain it very much like you did in that, that we have 
that there can be um, subsequent events in our life where we are filled with the Holy Spirit in a deeper way than just the promise that we have. And that it is, it is an overflowing, I've experienced the, the overflowing, you know, power and presence of God. I have spoken in tongues. I've been in, in uh, settings where I've seen God do supernatural things that couldn't be explained. You know, God's healed me from things where somebody prayed, prayed over me. And, and, um, and I feel that for sure it was, you know, there, there's no question about it. You know, I've told people, if you, if you're a Christian and you've not experienced the power of God in a way that feels like you stuck your finger in a light socket, there's more. You know, we, we have those spiritual experiences with God where he does fill us to overflowing in a baptism type way, similar to, you know, being immersed in water where you're actually immersed in the spirit and that you feel him, you know, go, you know, throughout your body in a, in a physical spiritual way. So anyway, I don't know if I took that clear off the rails, but go ahead. No, 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 it's good. Um, um, but, uh, so what you, what you were talking about is, um, the Holy spirit in regards to the believer. And, uh, I shouldn't have stopped yet verse 12, because that's where it started talking about how the Holy spirit deals with the believer. Uh, you read the portion of scripture, that has to do with what the Holy Spirit does to the unbeliever. So let me just read uh, that, uh, the, the, uh, starting in verse 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. How be it, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So a couple of things that we got to remember as the believer is that the Holy Spirit is there to guide you every day, all day long. The Holy Spirit wants to be a part of your life and he wants to guide you and to guide you into all truth. One of the things the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit helps you understand the Bible. Uh, so many people don't realize that there is an order to the Great Commission. You're supposed to get saved, then you're supposed to get baptized, then you're supposed to study the Bible the rest of your life and learn about God. And there are so many people that try studying the Bible without first getting saved and then getting baptized. And what you find is if you're not saved, you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life guiding you. And this book isn't going to make sense. As a matter of fact, it's a promise in the book that uh, the cross and the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that are without, those that don't believe. If you're lost, none of this stuff's going to make sense to you. But if you're saved, the Bible can make sense. And the reason it does is because you have the Holy Spirit uh, leading you and guiding you into all truth. Now, I just wanted to go back to what the portion that you had read and make a comment on this. And then I'd like to hear what you have to say about this, uh, how the Holy Spirit deals with the unbeliever. So we read in verse eight, and this is still in John chapter 16 in verse eight. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And then God goes on to define those three of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So you see the job of the Holy Spirit is to bring up sin, righteousness, and judgment to the lost world. They are sinners, God is righteous, and they will be judged. So the, the point of the Holy Spirit is to push the lost towards Christ in order to get saved. That is the desire of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit from day one all the way up until today. 
God wants everyone saved. And the job of the Holy Spirit with the lost person is to remind them and convict them that they are sinners, God is righteous, and a judgment is coming, and they need the blood of Christ if they want to be saved and, and go to heaven and spend eternity with God. So even in the life of the lost person, the Holy Spirit is working. Okay, and it, and it talks about that a lot in the Bible, how the Holy Spirit reaches out and calls us. So one thing you can always pray for is that the Holy Spirit will put as much pressure as needed on your loved one in order to get them to realize they're a sinner and they need to get saved. You know, and I, I always think that's a that's a great prayer because that's the job of the Holy Spirit. Um, what do you think there? Am I crazy? No, I, I agree. I think that this is, it's this, this interesting thing of where it says, you know, no one comes, uh, there's only one way to the father and that's through Jesus. But then it says mm -hmm. that no one comes to the father or comes to the son, except the father draws him. Uh -huh. And then you have this, and then you have this idea where it is the Holy spirit that is working in our lives before we're even, before we even get to the point of being drawn to him. Um, I think there's something, something to be said for the fact that that there is, uh, we actually had a question that came in here from Wesley, um, wondering, I'm not really sure what he means here, but I, I would say that the Bible, the, the, he, he asked, would you agree with the statement that, that it is a spiritually discerned book? And there are certainly plenty of truths in the Bible that a, a, um, heathen, uh, somebody that, that has never heard the gospel can, I, I believe there are things that we can hear and can discern. And I think it is important for us to be as Christians to be mindful of of God's presence of of the Holy Spirit when we are preaching the gospel to people that we are in tune with God and know when when to say something when not to say something. Um, it definitely talks about the Spirit interceding for us, like Patrick had mentioned there, and then the the idea that we're given words to speak. Um, it, it as a guide as Christians, I think it's important for us to know when the right opportunity is to reach somebody with the gospel. There is certain portions of scripture that the unsaved person needs to hear ahead of conversion so that they actually know how to respond to the gospel. So I wouldn't say that none of the Bible can be understood, but there are parts of God's word that he's made it very clear that it only comes through his revelation to us. And it also seems to me that there's some revelation that is kind of a, is kind of an ongoing revelation where maybe the, the early church wouldn't have understood some things that we would understand now. And that there's probably going to be Christians in the, in the later times that would probably have more revelation coming to them as well as God reveals more. Well, and let me just jump in there, Caleb. The Bible yeah. actually says that specifically. Remember in the book of Daniel, when Daniel got finished writing it and he's, and he, and, and the way the story reads is he closes the book and he looks up to God and he's like, God, I don't understand this. And God literally says, don't worry about it, Daniel. It's not for you. Okay. Just right. put it on the shelf. It's for someone else. It's going to make sense. Good job writing it. You know, so there is. Uh, people are going, and, and as a matter of fact, um, it's also talked about in the book of Daniel, and I have to look up the verse. It talks about how wisdom and knowledge will continually increase. And I think far too many people, when they read that verse, they think that's like worldly wisdom and knowledge. And it's like, no, 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 we're talking about the Bible. Okay. Don't ever be surprised if you're reading the Bible and you come across some, some, portion of scripture that enlightens more of the Bible that you've never heard taught before. 
Okay, that's what's going to happen. That's a promise. As time marches on, we're going to learn and understand more and more. And it's because the Holy Spirit is revealing it to us. You know, so don't be scared of that. Um, when the Holy Spirit reveals something to you in the Bible, you know, it's it's nothing that contradicts the rest of the Bible. It's something that helps complete your understanding of what you already know in the Bible. Yeah, so I, I think that's that was that's the point that I was going to make is that it's not just a high minded um, view that Patrick or I hold that because we're mm-hmm. Christians, we can we can read something that somebody is that is not a Christian wouldn't even be able to understand. And it's just foolishness to them. There is. If we believe that God is supernatural and that he can do what he says he can do, he He makes it very clear that there are some things that are hidden from certain people and that he's revealing to us. And that is revealed through the spirit. And when we completely, when we completely ignore the Holy Spirit, um, then we, as a, I, I would say, as, as a non-Christian looking into somebody's life and being like, man, how can you guys sing these songs about being so happy and having this joy and this this unending love from God or whatever. And this sounds just like fairy tale nonsense. You guys just are hyping yourself up with. Well, don't, don't just completely discount it all as that realize that there are, there is something supernatural about the way that God interacts with us on a spiritual level and that he does give us joy and comfort and peace in a way and, and discernment. Like Patrick said, there's things that we understand as Christians that we were blinded to before the, the God has, he removes scales from our eyes, literally, allows us to see things that he hides from from the non-believer so that is that is a very interesting an interesting job that the holy spirit does and i have found i guess as far as um in truth this is um i haven't i've never really talked too much about this i'm not sure what your thoughts are on this but oh boy or experienced this but here we go i have i have experienced times as a christian where i was where i was ready to willfully sin and I'm ashamed to even say this, but I was ready to willfully sin. And God, through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has kept me. It was like that my conscience was so unbearing that it, that it was a physical thing. I would actually be shaking. Mm-hmm. And, and, I was, and it, wasn't, it wasn't because I was even in a spiritual mode. Okay. And this mm-hmm. is, I mean, I was, I, sure. I was, God was kind of on the back burner. Okay. You know, I can sin now and, and I'll ask forgiveness later kind of a thing. <laughs> And yeah. God and God has reached in and 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 guided me away from things that I could have chosen to do and that I it wasn't the power of my flesh or my or my own strength that was keeping me from sinning. It was it was God pricking my conscience so much that it was undeniable. And um and I'm not I'm not always that much of an emotional guy, but it's definitely gotten to me at times where where it, it where I, I felt a little bit like Paul when he was still Saul mm-hmm. on the road when, when God revealed himself to him and I was, and, and that, that has been something that has been undeniable to me and that I've said, you know, I, I've thanked God over and over again. Thank you for not only saving me in eternity, but also saving me from sin in the, in the world, you know, for guiding me into, into righteousness or truth against my will sometimes, you know, where God was oh, just yeah. there. And, and it was just so undeniable saying, no, don't, don't, don't go there. And, yeah. um, yeah, so that's, that's, um, I don't know if you've experienced that, but so, I mean, I, I don't ever struggle with sin, so I have not experienced that. Um, I appreciate you being so, you know, forthright and vulnerable on this podcast, but like most Christians, I mean, sin really just never enters the picture. Um, so 
Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, Caleb, I think that's a great point. You know, something I always joke about, uh, but it's completely serious. Anytime um, anyone ever has anything good to say about me, I'm like, yeah, that's God working through me. That is the Holy Spirit in control of my life doing something. And whenever someone is disappointed or rolls their eyes at me, which unfortunately is quite often, that's Patrick running the show, you know. But um, no, I, you know, okay, so, and this is a terribly crude analogy because it's a cartoon, but you've seen the cartoons um, where you have the little angel and the little devil you know, on your shoulders and the, you know, they're arguing back and forth as far as what to do. Um, that is <laughs> biblically accurate, uh, more than people want to admit, because the Bible talks about how you have the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. You have the, you have the flesh, the devil and the world, and you have these things pulling you toward wickedness and evil. And that is real. And that is constant. And it will never stop until, uh, the Lord returns and we get our glorified bodies and sin is no longer an issue. And on the other side, you have the Holy Spirit of God um, uh, pushing you towards God. And it, it's a constant battle. As a matter of fact, Paul talks. Let me ask you this, Caleb. What word does Paul use to describe that battle between the flesh and the spirit? Uh, two natures at war within us. At war. Yep. That is serious. That's not like, eh, you know, two opposing forces that mildly resist each other. It is right. a war. Like, that is how bad the devil and my flesh and the world want to go after sin. And then that is how hard the Holy Spirit is pushing us towards God. And, you know, absolutely, it, any, any Christian <clears throat> who is saved and who is serious about living a godly life has had that uh, battle <clears throat> where they are talking to God and trying to talk themselves out, you know, of what the devil and their flesh and the world wants them to do. You, you have that debate inside of you. And sometimes you'll have an experience like you talked about that's so strong where it's as if the Holy Spirit just literally grabs you and is like, nope, you know, you're not winning this time. You know, this one's important for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, there's times where I was pretty sure that if I would have proceeded, I probably would have been struck dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's funny because uh, people don't want to talk about it, but that's actually a punishment from God for the Christian in the Bible, we see that several times. You know, I don't in any way think that those people weren't saved. They were clearly brothers and sisters in Christ. And there are some sins or some points where you just continue in sin to where God's like, nope, you're done serving as a bad example. I'm taking you home. You know, we're going to give the ground over to another tree to see if they can bear fruit. Hey, so can I bring up uh, something that's totally off topic, but I just wanted everyone to kind of see it. Um, because it has yeah. to do with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so uh, in first, I think it's first Corinthians. Let me just see if it's second. No, it's first Corinthians chapter 12, which starts out now concerning spiritual gifts. Okay, um, and then it goes over and it lists all the different type of gifts. And one thing that that is important that 
is often misunderstood here is in verse 11. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, it says, but all these, talking about the gifts that he just listed and explained, worketh that one and self-same spirit, capital S, dividing to every man severally as he will. And when we're talking about spiritual gifts, you got to remember, it's not up to me. It's not my will. It's up to the Holy Spirit to <clears throat> divide out to every man. Severally, mean th that word means one at a time in order. Okay, so the Holy Spirit will determine what gifts man gets at what times, and it is for his will. And so many times, unfortunately, you know, I think Christians get led away by a bunch of fools like Benny Hinn and other clowns out there that say that, you know, they have the gift of healing. And the way they teach it is that they get to turn it on and off whenever they want. And it's like, no, no, no. The Holy Spirit might use you and use the gift of healing through you, but it's not up to you. You don't get the light switch. Okay, the Holy Spirit determines, it says, as he will. And I think that cuts through a lot of the nonsense and the mumbo jumbo of using the Holy Spirit as an example of being something super or something wonderful or this super Christian. And, and I've seen that so many times, and it's a shame because it's, it's, um, it's, an, uh, it's anecdotal evidence. It's not something based on what you can uh, test. Instead, it is based on something a lot of times that people feel, you know, and it's just unfortunate when you see the Holy Spirit used that way to try to show someone off as they're a, you know, they're a super Christian because the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to the Father. That's it. I mean, the, you know, the Holy Spirit has never worked in my life to bring glory to Patrick Hayes. I mean, that's just nonsense. Patrick Hayes doesn't need any glory. He's deserving of none. It doesn't help anything. Uh, tell me, tell me what you think about that. Yeah. So that's, um, I've argued this point so many times, and that is the idea that, um, we, we, we shouldn't, we shouldn't become, uh, we shouldn't get on a spiritual high horse as uh -huh. Christians where we experience something of God. And then we expect that everybody else needs to experience God in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, this is something that I grew up. If somebody hadn't spoken in tongues, they weren't converted. That's pretty much yep. the way that it was looked at because 101. Yeah. I mean, you, that is, and it's looked at as a, as a second work of grace where it's something that's distinct from well, or maybe not even a second work of grace, because a lot of a lot of them would actually consider this to be the one and only uh, point of conversion is when somebody speaks in tongues, that's the proof that they're actually converted. But um, I think that it should be normal for the Christian. It shouldn't it shouldn't actually be an odd thing for us. We should be expecting God to work and to reveal more of himself to us such that it's not. Oh, wow. Back in 1983. 
Mm-hmm. I got filled with the Holy Ghost and I spoke in tongues mm-hmm. or I, you know, I healed somebody or I felt like God showed me this and it was the gift of discernment. And so now I'm, I'm going to walk around with this gift as, you know, I'm now the discerner and I'm going to go around and discern for everybody else, all their problems. Yep. Um, and pretty soon I'm more of a problem than a help. So I think it's, it is important for us not to end up off in the weeds with this idea of spirituality where we somehow think that we're above somebody else. Um, the fact that if you log into or go onto the, um, like a United Pentecostal church website, mm-hmm. a lot of them are going to say that they believe in, um, the infilling of the sp- spirit first evidenced through speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. But if you read that, that scripture that you just read out of Corinthians there, um, where was it in first uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 12. 12. Yeah. Yeah. Verse. And then verse 11, it uh-huh. says, but all these worketh that one and the self same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. Mm-hmm. So if somebody has the gift of healing, but they don't have the gift uh-huh. of tongues, I'm not, I don't think it's my job to look at them and say, Oh no, you're not a Christian because you haven't spoken in tongues Sure. <laughs> or they have, you know, some other gift of the spirit. And so it, it's, it is the same spirit that gives, where he chooses, when he chooses Mm -hmm. and how he chooses. And I don't think that we should be pressuring people to have the same exact experience that we have, have had. And just because I say that doesn't mean that I think that we shouldn't all experience God in a very real Mm -hmm. way. I do believe that this, that we should seek spiritual relationship with him where we know him in a deep, in a deeper way. And if, if you're a Christian and you're, and you're lacking this peace in your life and you're kind of feeling like life is empty and meaningless and that, you know, uh, maybe there's really not, there's not really a lot of difference between you, your old you and and the new you, maybe it's because there's something standing between you and God. The the spirit isn't going to come and dwell in an, in an unclean vessel. If you are, Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm assuming the other day, (laughs) Actually, no, I'm not, I'm not going to bring it up on here. I was going to tease, I was going to tease you about your, about your message to Polis the other day. I was wondering if that, if you were under the inspiration oh. of the Holy Spirit or not. Yeah. Anyways, there, we all, we all can, I can look around at different Christians that I know. And there's sometimes I'm like, man, he's having a cranky day. And I, if I was God, I would, I'd want to be about a thousand miles from him. And I think, and sometimes I'm the same way. And so we have to, we have to look at what could be standing between us and God and, and allow him to purify us and, and cleanse us such that we are a suitable vessel for him to, you know, for him to be in us. If we're not walking in obedience to him, just because we call ourselves a Christian and we are just blatantly disobeying God and we have a lot of problems in our life and we wish the spirit would just come and sort it all out for us. It only makes sense that, that uh, we don't see the work of the spirit in our life. And then we can say, well, Maybe God isn't real. I don't see any evidence of him. You know, there's no miracles happening mm-hmm. around me. Um, that could start with us. So like you said, it's as he chooses and as he wills when he when he wills. But we do have a part to play in that. I don't think there's a magic recipe, but I think that's, that's um, you know, seeking him out and, and, and walking in obedience to him definitely has, has a part to play. No, I think that's a great point, and it's it's really a point that's not brought up very much in churches today, unfortunately. And you said it, you know, um, b- before God would use His instruments and implements in uh, His sacred work, which was in the first scene in the tabernacle, uh, He had instruments of pure gold, and they had to be cleaned. You know, uh, they were never dirty. 
Um, they were sanctified is the, is the idea. They weren't used for other things. As a matter of fact, there's one story that, that's pretty famous when a Babylonian king uh, decided to go and get those implements and use use them uh, for wicked things, and and he was dead within the hour, you know. And uh, and it's the same way with us. Uh, God wants us sanctified and holy, set apart is the idea uh, for His use. And and it's true. I have a part to play, and I can be willing uh, for God to come and use me. I can prepare myself by being close to God, by reading his word, by praying. Uh, I can flee from sin. I can try to be humble and kind and sweet. And I can pray for God to, you know, use me for his will. And then all of a sudden, it's a lot easier. I don't know about you, but for me, it's a lot easier to hear God's voice and answer to prayers. It's a lot easier for me to um, feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit you know, when I'm regularly doing it and I'm in close fellowship with God, I'm praying all, you know, throughout the day, um, all of a sudden it's very easy. It's like, oh yeah, go pray for that person, you know, and I can walk up and, and ask the person if I can pray for him, um, you know, uh, oh, that person needs to hear the gospel. They're ready to get saved. Oh, okay. Uh, whereas when I am about the world and about my own will, Boy, I'll tell you what, I just don't hear that still small voice anymore. Okay. So what else you got? Hopefully I'm back on here. You're back. Um, on. So I, I've muted my mic, mic a couple of times, partly because my hopefully sure. my battery lasts another nine more minutes. I'm down to three percent. And for some reason my wireless charger is not working. <laughs> So I, I just had it plugged in, but um, this is something that's interesting. Um, if I was going to make one last point to, to the Christian that's out there, you, you may have been a Christian for quite a few years. And I know I've kind of harped on this point and it's something that I think is very important. So if you go to Acts chapter 19, um, you could have been a disciple of Christ. You could have been a, a, a Christian saved, converted, um, really, you know, living the dream in the church, really um, raising your kids in the word. And, and along, um, along comes Paul and he has a little bit of odd news for you. So here, here we have in Acts chapter 19, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy ghost since you believed? And they, and they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on him, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. All the men were about 12. So I know I know quite a few Christians that... Um, especially especially people that would have been baptized at an early age, maybe they're 12, 14, 16 years old, and they really don't have much of a knowledge of the truth. And, and I, I don't know, I don't know really how much head knowledge has to do with conversion, but I, I do believe that, that this is why I believe that a believer's baptism is important, that an infant baptism doesn't really count. So if you're, if Amen. you're baptized, if you're baptized, 
unto repentance, but not into Jesus, not unto salvation through the blood of Jesus, understanding that you don't, you don't just want your sins washed away in the water, so to speak, as a, as a point of repenting for, for your sins or your individual sins. And you are walking around as a struggling Christian. It seems like these were people that were believers. They were, they knew who Jesus was. They weren't, I don't believe that they were just, they were just uh, disciples of John the Baptist, but they were, they were disciples or, or people that believed in Jesus. They had probably heard the gospel, but they had no idea about the Holy Ghost. And mm-hmm. so Paul comes along and he's like, have you received the Holy Ghost? And they're like, no, well, you know, we got baptized What's by that? John. Yeah. And anyways, I'm not saying people need to go get rebaptized, um, but I, I I would say that if you're if you're walking around as a Christian with this thought that there is nothing more than this promise that it, you can't smell it, you can't feel it, you can't see it, you can't hear it, but you know somehow that you have the Holy Spirit and and this is your assurance of of salvation is this promise. Um, if you haven't experienced God and his power, like what Patrick and I have talked about here, you know, leading and guiding you into, into the word, um, keeping you from sin, being that comforter, that assurance of your salvation, you don't doubt, you don't wake up in the morning, and worry that you're going to hell. Um, those are things that I think that it would be worth looking into and really studying on this, on the, on the Holy spirit and realizing that there is, there is more to it than just an empty promise. It really is something that we can experience in a real way. And when, when Jesus was here, it's interesting that he didn't give the disciples the Holy Spirit while he's here with them, but he, he chose to wait and give it to us later. And it seems that this is almost a greater privilege than walking and talking with Jesus. So it is a, it is a very much of a, it's supposed to be a relationship where we, where we have with him, where he is living in us and he's leading us and guiding us. Not like we just have to go and climb up in a sycamore tree to try to see him or, or touch the, the, the hem of his garment, but that we can actually have him living in us and guiding us. And I think that it's, it would be foolish for us to marginalize this and kind of push this to the side as, as something that, that we shouldn't actually seek out as an experiential thing. And I honestly believe that this is why the Pentecostal movement has been as, as successful as it has been is because they're right on one thing. And that is where it, it is something, God's spirit is something that we can experience in a real way, not just in a in a uh, belief in our head but it's something that we can actually experience his power and his presence um even though i think that sometimes they've taken it kind of off in the weeds personally um sure. but anyways yeah that's that's i guess my rant there is is if you it don't don't just walk around with a, with this uh this pipe dream or this promise that well i got baptized so i must have the holy spirit but i don't see any evidence well if you don't see see any evidence in your life start seeking mm-hmm. and he promises that he if we seek him that we will find him you know, there was something that I wanted to wanted to bring up and and tell me if if this makes sense to you or if this tracks. So when you look at the uh, the Jewish wedding or um, at the time of Christ, you had the betrothal and where they agreed that they were going to get married, and then you had the time where the the man would go back to his father's house and he would uh, put an addition on the house, and <clears throat> at some point he was going to go and get his bride and bring her to where he was, where he was working with the father. And while the bride was at her parents' house, she would typically have with her uh, some of her family that would help her always remain ready. And it was usually sisters, cousins, some girls in her family that would remain with her and make sure that 
you know, her dress was clean and spotless. Her hair was done just right. Everything was set so that whenever uh, the father sent the son and said, okay, go get your bride, uh, the bride was ready. And it seems like you can see how the the ladies that surrounded the, the bride as she waited, uh, that obviously now, you know, the analogy is easy to draw. We, we know that we, the Christians in the world, we are the bride of Christ, okay? The church, okay? All the, those in the world that are saved, the universal church, that is the bride. And we are waiting for the bridegroom, Christ, to come back and get us. Well, while we are here, we are not waiting alone. We have someone that is with us all day, all night, trying to make sure that we are spotless and blameless and we are ready for the bridegroom to come and get us. And we want to be that pure and beautiful bride ready to meet Christ. And the Holy Spirit is here to help us remain in that state so we will be pleasing to Christ when he comes back for us. That was the thought yeah. I just had. Uh, good point, and and there's the uh, the idea of those that didn't have their their oil in their lamps. That's right. That's the it. oil. That's, that's, the wicks weren't trimmed and ready. Yeah, we could go to. I think it's Matthew 25 where you where you read about that story. Yeah. Well, I think that um, we've done about as good of a job as we can do at trying to explain something that's not explainable. Sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I, uh, I enjoy the discussion. I wish that these were things that would just get be discussed more often in church. And of course, sometimes Patrick and I talk about the fact that this is why we have the podcast is to talk about things that are rarely talked about. This should yep. be a topic that is discussed and is understood and not just kind of brushed under the carpet. So I would say bring it up with your church group, your you know whoever you whoever you talk with, and and really get into the word. And I I always I always say that, that we there's times where I feel like it's very rare that I'm really in the presence of God, you know, in a, during a time of, of prayer. And usually it's a time where I, you know, kind of lose track of everyone around me. And, you know, I, I raise my hands or I close my eyes and I'm not necessarily even singing the song, but during a song in a worship service and I'm, and I'm just praying to God, you know, worshiping him or, you know, exalting him in, in a way that, that I don't normally do, or maybe I'll be driving down the road and all of a sudden I'll just feel and flood my soul. And it's like, man, that feels so good. And, and I've, and obviously we can't necessarily, we do live in the, in the world. We're not in heaven. And so we're, we're not going to always have the presence of God in a, in us overflowing like that. But um, I think that it shouldn't be a really odd experience for us as Christians. It should be more normal than it should be a, it should be a, a daily walking with God. And, and that is part of why it says for us to pray without ceasing is so that when he does come, that we're not off in left field, ignoring him. You know, if the disciples hadn't been there in the upper room waiting, I don't believe that they would have received the infilling of the spirit in the way that they did. It was because he said, go and wait. And they, and they went there and they fasted and they prayed and they waited. And I think that's something that we miss a lot of time. There is a lot of power in fasting and prayer and really just waiting on the Lord and, and seeking him. And the fact that he went away and let them wait for 40 days, I think was a bit of a test. I don't think that was, it wasn't a coincidence. I think that it is a bit of a test for us to learn to wait as, you know, as David says, surely my soul waits upon the Lord. Sometimes we have to have to learn to just kind of quiet down. And I feel like a lot of times when I go to church, 
that we do a lot of projecting at God. The whole service, we sing to him, we talk about him, and we don't really ever, you know, we pray to him, or we tell him all the things that he needs to do in our lives, and, you know, God, do this, and, and heal this person, and, and help this person that's struggling with that, and we give him our whole laundry list of everything that we need him to do, and kind of command him to do, and don't really ever have that quiet time to just, you know, just sit quietly by, a, you know, in, in the woods or or by a stream and just ponder God and, and think about him and, and let him start revealing himself to us, you know, whether it's scriptures that he brings to our mind or whatever it might be. I feel like that's just something that we oftentimes really miss as Christians, where we just do a lot of talking and not a lot of listening. And church is so scheduled out where we have, you know, a whole hour or two that it's just bam, bam, bam. You know, we have the the songs picked out ahead of time. We have the verses picked out that we're going to teach on. And does God really have a chance? Does he ever, you know, get a word in edgewise through all of that? And I think that he does speak through his word as we read his word. But sometimes we're really bad at listening. And I think that sometimes that's really what they did. That they, they had no idea what they were waiting for. Some mysterious thing. And they sat there in the upper room and they waited and then they received. So that's that's my theory on it is, is slow down and get used to actually hearing from God. When he pricks your conscience, uh, when, when, I, when I feel like God... Uh, pricks my conscience and I'm like man I shouldn't say that or I shouldn't do that or something like that I I enjoy that I realize that that is how he speaks to us so much is through our conscience and through our that still small voice that that does speak to us and when we get to ignoring that over and over again eventually we can become a little more numb and and really block out a lot of the blessing that we do have of communion with God and we were we were really made for communion with God and that shouldn't just be a one-way street where we just project to him and then and then we just like, all right, I gave you my, my one hour for the week and now I'm off, you know, I'm going to go do my thing and our conversations change and we, we don't even talk about it throughout the week or, or whatever. So anyways, that's, that's my thoughts on it. So. Well, we have uh, approached the one hour mark. So um, before we get off, I just want to remind everyone of the verse that I think uh, this podcast should be known for, and that's Acts chapter 17, verse 11, where uh, you find out that when Paul <clears throat> was going around, he ran into some uh, folks called the Bereans who uh, heard the word uh, with all readiness of mind, and then they went home and they searched the scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. And that's what I'd always encourage all of our listeners to do. Remember, uh, Caleb and I, we bring up different ideas uh, that you know you might learn or read about or hear about the Bible and different parts of the Bible. Uh, none of it means that we are right. You're certainly going to hear the opinions that we believe in, uh, you know, expressed on this podcast, but we always want to encourage everyone, go home, do your own homework, read the Bible. The relationship that's important is between you and God. Um, so, you know, don't ever uh, change what you believe, you know, or how you act or how you live based on what we say, just use uh, what we bring up here as, uh, as a place to maybe start studying the Bible, you know, concerning any of these topics. So, um, Caleb, I'm ready to say good night and uh, yeah. go eat a bowl of ice cream. And don't forget, uh, next week we are going to talk about uh, women pastors. Uh, so uh, you'll get to see Patrick take some blood pressure medication before we start uh, next Friday. And uh, that'll be an exciting uh, topic. 
that we can use to try to drive off some of our audience. We've had too many people following this podcast for too long, so we're going to try to cut those numbers down. So uh, everyone, um, Shabbat Shalom, enjoy your weekend, and we'll catch up with you next week. All right. Good night, y'all.